Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your hosts, Dr. Doug Carriger and Mrs. Stephanie Wesco. Great to be back with you, folks. We hope you're doing awesome today, and uh, we sure are. We're just honored again to come across your airways and uh, be able to talk to you folks. And uh, we're looking at the book of Proverbs, Stephanie Wesco, and I don't know about you, but the book of Proverbs is a blessing to me. Over and over yeah. again, this Hebrew parallelism, this Hebrew poetry, you know, this or this, you know, good or bad evil or uh, holy, you know, God or devil. I mean, those kind of, that's over and over again. That's what we're looking at. Yes. No, it's full. It's all these contrasts that it's like God's trying to make the way that we're to walk in very clear. (laughs) Yeah. And boy, I need clear. So I think God's doing it just for me. And uh, hopefully some of you folks too, because for me, I mean, clear, you know, it, it provides something in our life that's better. When we know absolute truth, when we're not guessing at things, when we're not trying to establish or craft or put things together, or I don't know, trying to, you know, some people somewhere along the way, Stephanie, and, and I know this is weird. It's not coming out of nowhere, but I'll tell you why. And somewhere along the way, we become this media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, whatever your, your weapon of choice is on media, somewhere along the way, we become the person that, uh, uh, it seems like we want to craft our image all the time that we want to, uh, we want to look like a Facebook picture. You know, everything's perfect. I tell you, everything's not perfect. Um, you know, we do live in a world, uh, that, you know, we have a couple choices and we got a choice to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and savior. And then, and then our next choice is, are we going to serve him? in a way that brings him honor and glory. Are we going to live for him? And then, you know, so number one, you know, we, it's, we got a choice. It's God, yeah. not God. Number two, are we going to serve him? And, and then number three, are we going to help others serve him? So these are three choices I think that are on the shelf every day. And as we've been going through Proverbs chapter 12, you know, God's shaking our cage a little bit, Stephanie. Yeah. He's shaking yeah. us up. Yeah. Well, and as we've been going through these verses, um, it's amazing to me how God's thoughts go together. And, you know, we go from talking about a fool being proud and having anger issues to um, now we're talking about deceit and lying tongues. I know. Wow. We're on the lying thing here for several verses. But when I look at how this all runs together, it tells me that there is a, you know, I don't want to say it's a stereotype. God's giving us a very clear image a clear outline to follow of what kind of person we do not want to be. And that's, I'm so thankful that we have a, have a savior who's given us a roadmap. Yeah. Very clear instruction manual when it comes with how we are to live our lives. And I get, yeah, it's very, it's very good to go over for ourselves just to refocus, to revamp, to um, help me, you know, Spirit of God, show me where I'm failing in this area because I'm a human too. You know, we all have areas. Our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. 
But also, as we look at ourselves, God has given this to us to, to, to watch so that people that we're hanging with aren't described by these things because, Doug, we've been going over what describes a narcissist to a T. I know. That's why they, we're going in narcissism full-time yeah. here when we come out of this is because over and over again, God's saying, boy, you better know what a narcissist is because they're out there. Yep, and and the thing is, a narcissist has a very has very good covers, and hence why we were talking about deceit. You know, when talks about deceit. In other words, someone who's really good at having two faces, someone who has personalities, someone who's really good at being golden tongued, staring you dead in the eye while they're lying through their teeth to you. Well, and the gall, yeah. I mean, they'll just they think that they're owed. You know, the yeah. whole world owes them. You know, you, you owe them because you get to hang around with them. And I, I don't even <laughs> think they're the cool people. You know, I think we're the cool people. You know, I, I do. I think we're the pretty cool people out there. I, I think they're missing the boat. I don't think you got to be a narcissist to be cool. And, uh, you know, I just think that, and, and, and folks, somewhere along the way, it, you know, you know and, and this is true, Stephanie, too, the line has been smudged a little bit. The line between being a narcissist and being a decent human being is smudged. Yeah. But, but God here in his word in chapter 12 in the 12th proverb it is being so good to us. He's saying, but this is real clear, folks. Yeah, uh, this is real clear. This is the clarity you need. And, and we're seeing that. And so let's grab, let's hop into the knucklehead segment and we'll jump right in. We're doing three verses today. And I think, I think more and more, you know, God is, is clearing that line. He's given us this real nice, defined, straight line that, that's got us going down the right road. And, and that's important. So it's my turn. So we do this knuckleheaded moment. And uh, one of our dear sisters, long-term missionary, uh, pastor's wife out there fighting a fight, standing on the front lines and taught, loved the knucklehead segment. So we do it in her honor all the time. But, you know, you, you might be a knucklehead and, and think about this. So uh, you, you might be a knucklehead if you even buy into uh, somebody who's a narcissist, if, if you allow it to happen on your watch. If you, if you see somebody being hurt, if you know someone's a narcissist and you hang with them and you, what you're doing is you're promoting this terrible thing. Or if you're the type of person, for instance, I've been reading, I'm, I've been reading, I've been speaking to uh, some people, people who've been hurt, you know, a young lady and a young man that were uh, basically assaulted and the people they encountered, you know, pastors, different things. And I've spoken to two groups of people. I've spoken to the group of people that have encountered pastors and counselors that, that have helped them immediately. There's real good news out there. They help them immediately. And then I'm speaking with a couple people. I spoke with uh, uh, one lady a few days ago or something, and she had been hurt really bad. And, and, you know, she goes to the pastor and the pastor's wife and the pastor's wife, like, what kind of clothes were you wearing? You know, this is your yeah. fault. And the pastor's like, man, I wish you wouldn't have made this happen to yourself, folks. And then there's people who say, well, the pastor told her why it happened. You know, so there's deacons. Stop that. That makes you illegal, just like the guy who did it. You have the same mandatory yeah. reporter implications and requirements. Yeah. Uh, as, the, as soon as you hear somebody's been hurt, you don't try to cover it up. You don't go in a back room and forget the witness. Right. I, you know, I had a pastor one time who supposedly was looking into this sexual sin of one of our church members, and I went and I sat down with this guy, and he, he, he fancied himself a detective. He had pages and notes and stuff, but he had no statement from the girl who got hurt. He had no statement from the eyewitness. He, he, he missed them. Because you see, they, 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 they took away his point. They, they made his yeah. argument no longer stood. 
So, folks, yeah. this knucklehead segment is real. What I'm telling you is we don't tolerate. Uh, we, we're not part of that. We're not part of a crew that forgets about the victim. We're not part of a crew that forgets about the witness. We're not part of a crew that forgets about the human being that's been hurt. You know, yeah. we're going to hold them. We're going to love them. And we're going to flee from that which is evil, a bore. Abhor that which is evil, right? Abhor it. You know, can't stand it. Hate it over there in the book of Romans. And, and then I think it says cleave to that which is good. Hold on to it, you know. And uh, so I think that's really important. And then things we say to people with PTSD. I'm so glad Stephanie brought that up. I say that to a lot of people because once I figure out they're right, I tell them they're right. I don't just say that to people. I get to know them. And then when I realize that, I say, you know, I believe you. And then another thing that I say is, uh, you know, I'm here to help you. Uh, I will help you. You know, I'll hook you up with the right people. I'll do whatever I want. Those are things we need to say to people with PTSD. What Stephanie said yesterday, I believe you. And uh, even take that a step farther and say, I'm here to help you. Or what can I do to help? All those types of things are life-changing to somebody who's been hurt, somebody who's going through the junk, somebody who's, uh, you know, in the midst of a battle. Because these things, you know, we don't flip a switch and these things go away. We need God to help us, and God certainly can take it away. Uh, but, I, you know, I always describe the story. I knew this lady who continuously, this is years ago when I was in consulate school, continuously couldn't stop screaming at her husband, saying bad things to him, telling him all these things. Things It was over and over and over again. So I sat down with her and said, you know, we got to stop this. Let's come up with a plan. Then I was helping somebody in her family with PTSD. And uh, this is when I was back in Virginia. And she came to me and she said, you know, uh, Brother Doug, she said, this person, God's word says it. We believe it. This guy's all better. I don't know why he's still doing this. I said, well, why are you still yelling at your husband? Oh, because it's a trained thing. You know, we have to go to God. Paul said he had to die daily of the sins of this world. Hey, folks, if Paul has to do it, Doug has to do it, and Stephanie has to do it. And and so the, the big thing here is you might be a knucklehead if you help out these people. And uh, you might be a knucklehead if you if you just try to analyze. You're saying the wrong words. Uh, the words you say are those words. Not not only do I believe you, but I'm going to help you. I'm willing to help. I'm. Uh, you're pretty cool. So with all that, we're over in the twelfth proverb. But those people are out there, Stephanie. It's real, and uh, they're out there, and they're knuckleheads. And it says, <laughs> deceit is at the heart of them that imagine evil. In verse twenty. But to the consuls of peace is joy. And, uh, you, you know, you look at that, it's, uh, you know, deceit. It, you know, to me, that feels like that's something in your heart. It's something that, that corrupts, that, you know, it, it gets expressed, expressed outwardly. You know, deceit's corruption. It deceit's evil. Deceit's, you know, so many different directions you can go with that, but it all means the same thing. But then to look at counselors, those who share words of joy, share words of health, tell people, I believe in you. Tell people, I'm here to help you. Tell people, I'm willing to make a difference. Tell people, I want to bring you to this group we have at the church. Tell people that, I, you know, that changes things. So we have deceit here, Steph or we have joy. I mean, which one are we going to pick? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting to me that God is saying very clearly here that someone who is living a lie that's promoting a lie, that has a double standard, you know, one thing at home, another person at church. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah. And I remember um, some of the narcissists that I dealt with for many years um, I remember that our home would go from being a place of peace and joy 
to them coming around and it suddenly becoming a place where there was tension and turmoil and tears and hurt and pain. And I, I mean, it's very vivid in my memory um, of days that would be destroyed and would go from being peaceful and joy filled to people who were filled with deceit that, that were awesome. They were, they were experts at inserting themselves into our home. Yeah. And, um, looking back now that I've been out of it and God has done so much healing and brought me along so, so far from there. But when I look back, quite honestly, there are times that I cry for them. Yeah. Because you, when you're out of that and you start experiencing love, peace, joy, what, what God means the Christian life to have, yeah. and then you look at them and you, you remember how they are, you remember everything that came with them, and you're like, they have to be so miserable inside because the only joy they ever have is what they make up to look good to other people. And that is it, it makes me cry. I mean, a couple nights ago, I was weeping over this um, in regards to what to one of these people involved because realizing that this is all they have. Yeah. And that's what's scary. When you live a life of deceit, that is all you have. It's no wonder that the, that a deceitful person has to become so proud, so self-centered because it is all they have. That's right. Yeah, you're just sitting around devising evil. That's all you got. That's that's everything that's in your bag, and uh, that, it's just scary. And then, and and you know, it, we're reminded that again, those people are on the wrong side of things, but the people with joy are on the right side. So again, we're seeing the opposite. And then we go on to that next verse: "There shall be no evil that happened to the just, but the wicked shall be filled with mischief." And, and so again, you know, there's going to be no bad trouble. There's, there's going to be, you know, the righteous, God's got you covered. And you know, it's the, the things on this earth. Uh, we get that, you know, there's accidents, there's hurt, there's all these different things, but boy, God's got you. God's got the righteous. Uh, I've never seen him forsaken. I've never seen the seed begging bread and that kind of thing here. Uh, but you know, it's talking about the wicked in this verse again, just being filled with evil. So, so again, Stephanie, here's this life we live. We don't even want to let a little bit of evil in us. You know, we get this wrong sometimes. Sometimes we say, well, you know, I, and we've talked about this in the past, a lot of widows and widowers and people who've broken up with long-term boyfriends and girlfriends and saying, well, I'm already messed up anyway. Uh, you know, maybe I can go into the world a little bit and find somebody and boy, the life's turn out to be a mess. And, you know, desperation breeds terribleness and wickedness and all kinds of things. And, but, and that's what the Bible's reminding us here. You know, trouble, you know, if you stay with me, if you stay down the God road, if you do these right things, uh, it, you know, uh, no trouble is going to overtake any of this, basically what it's saying. It, it, don't worry about it. We got your back. And, uh, and then it goes on to remind us that the wicked are just filled with evil that, you know, they're filled with trouble. They're filled with all this They're This is the way they're going to look. The wicked shall be filled with mischief. Mischief is evil doing bad things. So that's what the wicked looks like, Stephanie. So here we are again with choices, you know, the choices is, well, God's got your back. There's no trouble that can overtake you. There's no trouble that's going to come along and mess you up and the wicked. It's nothing but trouble. Yeah. Well, and that's, there's something powerful that said that says here, and that, that is to, um, the whole idea that no evil 
shall happen to the just. Yeah. Honestly, when I read that, it chafes me a little bit at first because. Yeah, it happens all the time. And so I look at this verse and I, and I think, what does, what in the world does that mean? No evil, you know, what's that even? But when I look at the second part, it says, but the wicked shall be filled with mischief. And somehow when I look at that second half, it makes me think the first half is referring to our heart, referring to what we're made up of, referring to what our time is filled with. Yeah. And I think what it's, what it's saying, and you can correct me, I'm not a theologian. Um, but when I look at this and I read it in context of the second part, the just person is living a life where there is no room for evil. Yeah. Well, and yeah. evil things may happen to him in the sense that things he doesn't choose, things that are those traumas that God never meant for us to experience. But he's not experiencing evil because of choices he makes. And the right. exact opposite is what is true for someone who is wicked right. in the sense that they're literally everything about them. They're, they're filled, they're overflowing, they're surrounded, they're drowning with mischief. Yeah, and and I think that's that's exactly where I was going to go. It's understanding a couple things. First of all, God controls how much trouble's in our life, how long it's going to last, you know, the depth of it, how bad it's going to be. And so God controls that. So looking at this from a perspective of eternity and stuff like that, it's not going to overtake the righteous. So, So trouble doesn't have the ability to change us unless we let it. It's not going to overtake our godly attitudes. It's not going to ruin our lives. I really believe that that's what that's getting at. It's basically what you had just said. But the wicked, you know, trouble overtook their life already. It's already there. It's already in that place. And I, I think that's what that verse is really talking about. I think that's the hermeneutics behind it is troubles can't overtake you. It, trouble's not going to come in and, and, and take over your world. Um, you know, but mischief does, trouble does with the evil. I think that's what we're getting at. And I think verse 22 kind of continues on in that area. You know, I, I think if we look at 22 as well, it says, Lion lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal with uh, deal truly are his delight. So, again, you know, here we go. We're talking about, so in context, in these three verses, I think it's important to look at them in context. Does, you know, deceit you know, to devise evil, to have something in your heart that just comes out and evil expresses itself outwardly, hurts people. Uh, you know, deceit is that way, but counselors can give joy. Those who work with God, who things that come out of their heart of godliness, people who study the Bible, people who are doing devotions, people who uh, are saved people that are really working at it. And then that second one is, you know, no, no grave trouble is going to overtake the good in you. I really think that's what that last verse is talking about. We're not going to be overtaken. Now, God does control the degrees of our trouble, you know, the degree, the duration, the depth. I believe God controls all that. But the wicked, God's in no control of that. So, But then we get down, so knowing that God's in control of all this, knowing that God keeps all this going, we get down to this verse 22, and and the God of truth and, and the God of all love in my mind regards the lips that spread lies as, as, you know, being this terrible abomination, um, being somebody who's completely opposite of God, uh, has no value with God, has nothing going on. I, I really believe that's what this is all about. 
And uh, I, so I, I got to say to myself, Stephanie, which you've, you've already kind of mentioned this a couple times, is, you know, what do we tell people? How do we tell people uh, truth? How do, we, how do we tell people don't have lion lips, but this is how you don't do this. This is how you do what's right. This is, a, this is the decision you make. This is what it looks like. Well, this verse, verse 22, um, I had, to, when, when I would lie, um, when there was lying that would go on and my parents would discover, there was serious consequences for that. And I am so incredibly thankful to them and to the Lord that there were, because at a young age, God helped my, used my parents to instill in me a literal hatred lying. And I had no idea, they had no idea that later in life I was going to be living surrounded by liars. <laughs> because lying, I think one of the reasons that lying is an abomination to the Lord, first of all, it's a sin in and of itself. But lying is the root of so much damage. And lying lips are an abomination to the Lord yeah. Because a lying lip never deals truthfully in other, any other realm of life. Lying lips, where this is your, your lips are lying. In other words, it is their nature. It is their muscle memory. It is their pattern. This is who you are. When, when your lips are described, they are described as lying lips. And I don't mean by narcissists saying you're a liar. Okay. I, know that whole routine. I'm saying yeah. when be God, you have a pattern of lying. You do not deal truthfully. And so this whole thing of lying is serious because it's never just a one time event. Right. One has to lead to other lies. Yeah. That, you know what I'm saying? It becomes this avalanche of destruction because your lips are lying lips. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's the way you know, we, we look at things too, is, you know, it's not what man says we are. It's what yeah. our, the, the litmus test is what the Bible says we should look like and what we should be doing. So the tests right. come because men will mess you up. Men and women will mess you up. Oh, you're a liar. You're this, you know, you're this. And, and, you know, narcissists will break you down. I mean, people in your life who stink are going to continue to stink unless God gets a hold of them. And so the test isn't them. All right. So, you know, we don't, uh, as, as born again, believers in Christ, uh, you know, our soul belongs to him, our, our hearts, we're all in where the Holy spirit of God is indwelling within us. We're a temple. Uh, God illuminates his word to us. God teaches us and gives us everything we need to know. And by the way, that weird feeling you get around people who are knuckleheads and hurt you is God saying you're in the wrong place. So, yeah. this, so that's what this all comes down to really is, you know, what, what portion are you deceitful? Uh, you know, is wicked expressing itself through you or are you a counselor or somebody who talks to people and brings joy? Uh, are you somebody who's thinking that trouble can make your righteous heart wrong? It can't, you know, it can't overcome God. Nothing can, 
Uh, darkness not, cannot overcome light. Light always overcomes darkness. That kind of thing is still going on. And then this whole lie and lip thing, a big deal in our daily business. Just speak the truth. Tell the truth. Tell people exactly uh, the truth, the whole truth yep. and nothing but yep. the truth. And God will use, and boy, your employers will like it. Your spouses will like it. Your family will like it. And it doesn't take long to break the cycle. It doesn't take long to just start getting right with that kind of stuff. It, yeah. it, it really, it doesn't. A couple months in, man, people are like, hey, you know, old Doug, man, I, he, he speaks truth. And, uh, and so that's where we need to get to. So, we, and we don't want to take all day on this, but we want to tell you, listen, you got choices. Uh, we know some of you out there hurting. We know that those of you with PTSD and great pain and those who've been hurt badly by people can find ourselves stuck in bad situations. But God says, it doesn't matter where we're stuck. Just do this. Trouble can't take the righteousness out of you. You're okay. Things are going to be all right. I got your back. I determine uh, your trials. I determine the length of your trials. I determine the depth of your trials. I determine what your trials look like. So we need to trust God at this point. Hey, listen, folks, again, we're honored to be here with you, to be part of your community. Take a minute and listen to every word Brother Eric has to tell you about knowing for sure that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you get to go to heaven. Nothing more important. May God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth, and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. Doug and Stephanie, thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at WoundedSpirits.com.